Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders are getting ready to head back to Cleveland, uh, weather to be determined uh, back there, to take on the COVID-ravaged Cleveland Browns. And to get us up to date, to get us all the latest on that is our athletic beat writer for the Browns, Zach Jackson. He hosts the Civilized Barking podcast. Uh, Zach, appreciate you joining us. Hi, guys. So it's been quite a week here. (laughs) It's been quite a 20 years for the Browns. But anyway, they are scheduled to be on the practice field within the hour. So that's positive news because they haven't been all week. They basically had right out of their car walkthroughs on Wednesday. They've had 15 guys on Tuesday and Wednesday. So this is Thursday afternoon. As I speak to you, there have been no new additions. In fact, they're anticipating some of the guys from last week's COVID list to come off and they're planning to have practice and the game is on for Saturday afternoon. So you know, obviously nobody involved hopes that changes four times by, by the time this gets out or or by the time Saturday rolls around. But the game is on and they will be missing, you know, their head coach, their quarterback and starters on both sides. The news did not get worse, at least in the first several hours of Thursday morning. So no Baker Mayfield, no Kevin Stefanski. Um, they do have Case Keenum, a veteran backup. What is having Keenum there? What does that do for them in terms of just having some stability? And he's got Nick Chubb available. He he had some fun uh, with uh, expressing his joy with having a full Chubb uh, in the backfield. But uh, what, what does Case Keenum bring for them? Uh, yeah, Case Keenum has played. He's seen everything there is to see in this league. The Browns signed him because he knows Stefanski's offense inside and out, and they feel really confident about how he'll operate things. Uh, from a consistency and operation standpoint, he's an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Now, he's not an upgrade in terms of being able to throw it down the field and things like that, but the operation will be fine. I think overall, guys, I think it's 75 to 80% known commodity. Nothing changes. The Browns have guys in most places who have played at some point before who know schemes, who, who've who been around. I think beyond that, the gray area and then really the scary area is do you have more COVID cases and how many times are you faced with the possibility of plugging in a practice squad player or a guy who's never done it? Um, they were already going to be without Kareem Hunt. They were already going to be without Troy Hill and probably Greg Newsom, a really talented rookie corner. 
So that means no slot corners. Um, Malik McDowell, their best run stuffing D lineman, he's on the COVID list. Obviously, without the quarterback who'd been searching for answers and, and without two offensive linemen, Wyatt Teller, a really physical player who just got a bunch of money in an extension. And left tackle Jedrick Wills, who quite frankly has stunk all year, but he's better than the guy in front of him. So, yeah, the answer is operationally, the Browns are the Browns and Case Keenum will be fine. Case Keenum has limitations. The Browns offense had limitations anyway. Plus, there's weather coming in to Cleveland. I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year when the Raiders visited, but nobody really knows at this point. It's 65 degrees here today, which is about 40 degrees more than it normally is at this point in December, and it's supposed to take a turn for the worse. So how much worse, we'll see, and that's just part of the unknown and getting ready for Saturday. So looking at this matchup, you would think they'll just run the ball a lot and kind of celebrate their, their full chub? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Vic. I mean, Chubb, he had a calf injury, and then he went on the COVID list. And I just think they've struggled to get into a rhythm offensively in every regard. I think the lack of a pass game is the biggest reason for that. But they've had guys in and out of the lineup. They haven't really played with the lead. And when they have, they've struggled to put it away. Nick Chubb is still Nick Chubb. He is so gifted. He can turn five-yard runs into 50, 80-yard runs. And he's done it a handful of times this year. The standard is high for him. The expectations are high. So to me, you know, the Raiders aren't going to come out and stuff him at the line and hold him to 20 carries for 40 yards. To me, it's can the Raiders make him earn those five- and eight-yard runs and keep him from getting out and showing off that extra gear? Because the Browns aren't going to do anything fancy. They're going to throw the tight ends. They're going to throw just enough to keep people honest, and everything else is going to be runs and screen passes. That's just what it's going to be. And they feel like Chubb's ready for 30 carries or 30 touches if he needs to be. And so, again, it's the Raiders, you know, keeping that to a reasonable number and not letting him run wild uh, and changing the shape of the game. You know, in the past few weeks, the Raiders have kind of turned Josh Jacobs into a satellite back. They've been giving him a lot of targets. And, you know, I feel like that's probably going to be a big part of the offense this week with Darren Waller probably going to miss the game again. How do you feel like the Browns linebackers have been covering running backs and, and tight ends? The Browns do not cover tight ends. They just don't. It's not even optional. It's just something they don't do. So to see Darren Waller again on the injury report Thursday was the best thing that happened to the Browns, or Wednesday was the best thing that happened to the Browns all week. Let's just be honest. The way Jacobs beat him up last year in the bad weather, I think, is why they went and got Malik McDowell, but he's out. The linebacking core is remade. JOK, Jeremiah Wusukormo, the rookie linebacker, he's been awesome. Now, he's not a traditional run stuffer. He is not for everybody, but he is fast and he has closed down, screen passes, swing passes, quarterbacks, bootlegs, and escape routes. I mean, he, he has shown off his speed. And they have another young linebacker, Jacob Phillips, who just made his debut last week after suffering a training camp injury. So losing McDowell is a huge blow, and I think Jacobs will have his chances. You know, maybe the weather will dictate that Jacobs has to have the most chances of anyone. But, you know, the answer, Ted, is 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 the Browns are just OK in that regard. I think the way JOK has played since coming back from a high ankle sprain probably makes up for in some ways, you know, for not having McDowell and not having John Johnson in the back, because I think he's just he's not a rookie anymore. He's a guy that they not only trust, but that they count on to make big plays. JOK was not for you, Vic. So a big chance for him to uh, to prove you wrong on Saturday. The revenge tour against me continues. I was wrong about Taylor Heineke, and now uh, this guy comes up. So uh, what, what do I know? All right, Zach. Well, hey, man, we appreciate your time here, and uh, hopefully everything gets settled and uh, we have a pretty good game on Saturday. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see who's available. Thanks, guys.
All right, well, the Brown situation, the one reaction, main reaction I've seen from Raider fans is, well, this just sets up for another deflating loss that we're going to lose to a team without their quarterback, without their coach, without all these guys. And, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but it's not a great situation going for Cleveland. And, and with the line has shifted, the Raiders are now favorites, I believe. Yeah, it's moved six points. They were uh, five-point dogs, now they're one-point favorites. So people definitely uh, were leery of the uh, the long COVID list with the Browns. And uh, I'm not sure it was faith in the Raiders, but just uh, you know, maybe a lack of belief in the uh, in the Browns' depth. Yeah, I can't really blame fans for being skeptical of this team or winning games that they're supposed to after, you know, games like the Washington loss, the Giants loss, um, just what they've done the last couple of years. It kind of seems like anytime they're in this position, they, they tend to drop the ball. You know, and then the weather, as Zach was saying, kind of being up in the air, you know, it, it kind of seems like, you know, probably both offenses won't be able to pass the ball pretty well. And that would lead you to believe that, that the Raiders are probably going to have to run the ball well to win. And, and they've been one of the worst rushing teams in the league. So I get the skepticism for fans. But in terms of the Raiders, I mean, if the Browns, you know, they're, they're almost without, you know, except maybe a third or around 15 players, um, just depending on who, you know, tests negative or test positive, continues to test positive throughout the game. But um and without their coach, like if they can't beat the Browns now, I mean, we already think that the season is pretty much cooked after the, the way they looked against the Chiefs. But they can't beat this Browns team with all these absences. It'll just drive it home that we need to start looking at, at 2022. You're saying they'll be, they'll be burnt, not just cooked. They'll be like back in the oven and, and crispy. Well done. They're medium well right now. So actually right now they're they're in to, into Sean's range. They're going to go past to Sean's range. So well done. Obviously, it makes headlines when a starting quarterback is not going to be available. And, you know, Baker Mayfield is their best quarterback. But Case Keenum, you know, I mean, he's been around enough. He's the type of guy that if you are in the situation where you need to plug a guy in for a game, I mean, he's got plenty of experience. Uh, you know, he's he's had some success in this league. He's also had failure in this league. But it's not like you can just say, oh, we're going up against whoever the hell it is. You know, we're going to just roll over and win. I mean, he's he's decent enough that, in, especially in a game with weird conditions, that, you know, he can beat you. Isn't he the guy that uh, we signed with Denver? Didn't that, that John Gruden say he's, that was the biggest? The best move of the offseason. The best move in the league of the season. So he's a big, uh, Gruden's a big fan. He's a tough kid. Been around for a while. Like you said, he'll make um, he'll make the throws he has to. So you got to put him in situations he doesn't want to be in. But um, Case Kingdom's not going to be the reason why they, they lose the game. He's a good game manager, I guess that's how I would we'll call it finally. He started earlier this season against the Broncos and helped them win a the game there. I would say the Broncos' defense is, is better than the Raiders' defense. And so, you know, it's not like they have, like, some garbage, you know, quarterback coming in that can't make any throws. Uh, but I do think it is still key. I don't know how much the Browns are going to be throwing the ball. I don't, I don't know if they're probably not going to go with that Patriots game plan that we saw a couple weeks ago. But uh, it, I think it's really key that the Raiders' pass rush gets going again because – it hasn't really been talked about, um, but like for like the past month, the, the pass rush has really tapered off, um, and, it's, and it's really everybody across the board. I mean, outside of you know Malcolm Coons having flashes and like twenty something snaps, pretty much everybody from Unique to Max to Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, like everybody's numbers are down. And so, if they can get back there and like you were saying, put Keenum in those uncomfortable situations and rattle him a little bit, then we could start to see some of those mistakes that could swing the game. Keenum's kind of known for that. Uh, like, he'll play a good game, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he'll just make some crazy, like, YOLO throw. So, you know, if the Raiders could force him into a passing situation, there might be, you know, a couple opportunities for some bad interceptions. But, yeah, Keenum is a pretty solid backup quarterback, so I wouldn't expect it to be a huge drop-off, especially with the way Baker Mayfield's been playing with his injury. I kind of think he, he might be a little bit of an upgrade just because Mayfield's been so inaccurate just with injury. 
I mean, and I just became, you know, a Case Keenum fan after Wednesday when he, you know, he dropped that full chub line. I mean, uh, the question gets asked and he like sets it up like who he like gave himself time to like work himself up into uh, into that. And you, you could almost like hear, hear him like laughing to himself after he said it. Some news for the Raiders. Uh, the big news announced Wednesday they will be hosting the Super Bowl in February 2024. Which is cool. I mean, hey, you know, it kind of expected that they would they would get, uh, you know, a Super Bowl and they would love to be in that rotation. And certainly with new stadiums coming around and, and, you know, L.A., you know, the next three games are going to be on the West Coast. So it'll be interesting to see how how much they want to divvy these games up to the West Coast. But to me, the, the quote that came out of Wednesday from Mark Davis, well, if we're not winning on the field, it's nice to win something off the field. My reaction to that is. You know, that that was that was kind of his like passive aggressive way of, of throwing a dig at this team that he's he's frustrated with the losing. And to me, it almost confirms like what we all think that the house is getting cleaned at the at, at the end of the season. Yeah, it's funny hearing the guys get at like, I mean, I get I guess I get asking them the questions, but like got Ole and, and Gus Bradley up there to ask him about the Super Bowl in fucking 2024. And you, they're all just like smiling and laughing because they're not going to fucking be here in, <laughs> in 2024 to see this goddamn Super Bowl. So like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, all the stuff that's happened with this team on and off the field this year. Uh, like, obviously, you know, Mark Davis is still upset, you know, probably rightfully so in the fan base. But I don't think after losing Gruden, losing Ruggs, uh, all the injuries and stuff, like, it was always kind of a long shot that this season was going to end in a good way, right? So, you know, I don't want to pile on, on the team too much for being about average, which is probably what they should be. But uh, like you're saying, it's pretty much what we expected. Yeah, I think obviously Mark Davis was happy about the news, and that's a lot of money for the city, and you know, it's great for the team organization. But clearly, I think that comment shows he's definitely um, still got one you know, side of his brain on, on, on the football product, and it's not been good. He was mad last week after that Chiefs game. I'm sure he's been mad. Uh, the next four weeks, unless they make a miraculous run. So I, I do agree they're going to clean house. I think he probably sees that. And I think um, he's trying to you know, keep focus on the good news, but you also pay a note to the bad news also. And I think there was a lot of fans that like tried to get, that got mad at the quote. Like, I think they misinterpreted as him just saying, hey, you know, I, I'm just making money. I don't care, like whatever. But as we've said, I think it's it's the opposite. It's like, you know what? I'm pissed that we're losing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a dig out there to uh to make sure that it's kind of expressed how how much I'm displeased with us not winning. So I I don't think it was quite what what a lot of fans interpreted it as. It wasn't him just you know, eh, whatever. You know, I'm making money. We're gonna be good. It was I'm pissed that we're losing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, let's take some questions here. Um, we'll start with this one from Craig C. He says, some Raider fans want to blow everything up, including the quarterback position. How much could the Raiders conceivably get for Derek Carr? How big of a contract do you think he'd get if the Raiders extended him? In terms of the trade value, I think you've got to look at, at comparative trades, right? And um, the two big quarterback trades that went down last offseason, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, it was a third-round pick and a conditional second that with the playing time and if they make the playoffs, all the, the conditions likely are going to convey. That's going to be a first and a third rounder for Carson Wentz. With Matthew Stafford, it was two first rounders and a third rounder. I think most of us kind of viewed the second first rounder as being in part for them taking on Jared Goff's contract. The Rams didn't want him. They needed to offload him. So you can kind of look at both of those ended up conveying as about a first and a third rounder. You know, I don't think Carr is valued as highly as Matthew Stafford. Although when you look at you know their their careers, I mean, fairly successful quarterbacks on teams that haven't won. Um, Stafford's obviously had a little more success than Derek. But then I, I would think Carr's value would be higher than what Carson Wentz was, especially coming off of last year and last couple of seasons where, you know, it was just the Eagles needed to basically get rid of him and offload him, and he had been terrible. So to me, I mean, a first and a third seems like a, a possible a possible price that you could get for him. If that's what Wentz is going to end up being, uh, I don't see why Carr couldn't get that. The one thing with Carr is like, I think there's a lot of coaches in the league that say, I can win with that guy, you know, and I could put that guy in, in my offense, in my system, and he's going to do really well because, you know, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He's really smart. And, and those are things that, you know, coaches that really believe in their system would love, you know, like if he was in a Niners system, a heavy play action system that creates a ton of easy opportunities for, you know, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Carr would kill it if he was in the Niners system. So I, I think that there could be like different opinions on Carr. And I think there might be a team that will value him a lot more than another team. So I, I could see him going for, you know, higher than Wentz, definitely. And maybe close to the Stanford deal without that second first round pick. Because like you said, that, that was for taking on Goff's contract. Like if I was the Raiders, like I think I might want to first for Derek Carr, just because of like the landscape of this offseason in terms of finding another quarterback with the draft. Like from what I've seen from the quarterbacks, it's not a very exciting quarterback draft. I don't know how many of those guys are going to be ready to go right away next year, which is what they would they would need unless, you know, Nathan Peterman is going out there. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're swinging a the deal for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, like how realistic that is. And so just to drop off from Derek Carr to whatever other quarterbacks going to be starting next year, I feel like one first round pick isn't enough to to make that move. Especially when you do have him, you know, if you want, I know it'd probably be a little messy, but since you do have him under contract still next season, technically. But, um, and some of these teams are really def- desperate, like the Panthers, for example, firing their OC and paying like three quarterbacks. Like the Panthers is going to offer me one first round pick for Derek Carr. Like I, I know their situation, you know, I feel like there's some room there with certain teams, depending on the situation, to kind of barter a little bit and get closer to that two first round package for Derek Carr. I just, I feel like when it comes to your factor and then what your replacement for him is going to be, um, in addition to what this quarterback class looks like, I feel like if you just trade Derek Carr for one first, you're losing that deal. I agree. It's definitely uh, it's a good market uh, right now. I think because of the, the draft, it's not a great class of quarterbacks. I think a lot of teams have needs. You look at the team around the league. I think Derek Carr definitely has a good reputation around the league. And I think um, the problem with the Raiders is that historically is when they make these trades, the leverage doesn't usually matter. Once they decide they're going to move on from a guy, they don't really get maximum value, which has been a problem for them. I think that's the case here. I think they'll probably make a decision on Derek. And then once teams know, like, you know, they're going to trade him at some point, 
I think that hurts them a little bit. So I don't think they'll get two firsts. I think they'll get a first or something else. And I think it also depends on who else is out there in the market. You know, is Russell Wilson going to be out there? I mean, a lot of guys don't know about. So I think um, I would say I'll lean towards more towards a first and maybe a third or even a second. But I think there's a, a good market for him this offseason. I think if Stafford didn't get two firsts on his own, I mean, the, the other first being for Goff, I don't think Carr can get two firsts. Yeah, you never know, man. If you do trade him for a first, it would have to be maybe top 13 or something because you need another avenue to to another quarterback unless you decide you're not going to draft another quarterback right away and wait on it. Yeah, I mean, somebody traded two firsts for Jamal Adams, so, I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never know. It's true. It all depends on if, you know, teams fall in love with guys. If a team falls in love with Derek Carr, then he has all the things you want in a quarterback. I mean, uh, Raider fans will disagree, but um, – in terms of uh, even this year, after the struggles of last month, I think he's still clearly a top you know, 12, 15 quarterback in the NFL, so it's hard to get those kind of guys. This is a, a comment, not really a question, but a comment from Joshua T. Because Rich Masashi is right. He has given me true enlightenment on football. Now when I watch the Raiders, I celebrate the good plays, and when they make a bad play, I just celebrate their effort because the bad plays, much like the score of the game, do not matter. So at the end of the game, they finished with a dozen good plays, about 70 plays where they tried hard, and I don't even know what the score is because I am choosing to not live up there, as our coach has suggested. So like a very happy guy. So like he's found like the secret to success and, and being happy. So He's reached football nirvana. Incredible. It's just like watching the All-22. It wasn't a question, but I just had to read it. I, I loved the comment. A little life tip for Raider fans running the league. Hey, man, be like me. Kyle. Don't live and die with this team. Which Versace was right. Yeah, exactly. All right, question here from Brendan W. All right, Vic, holler at us about some of these head coach rumors. Names like Tim Brown and Jim Harbaugh are getting thrown around. Let's hear some juicy, juicy. Tim juicy. Brown? <laughs> Jerry Rice wants Tim Brown to be oh, hired. God. That would just be such a great hire. Why not Charles Woodson, you know? Marcel Reese. Condoleezza Rice. Wow. Those are good names. Uh, you know what? We still got four weeks left. All of a sudden, they have life now again, this COVID thing. Two weeks left. Two weeks left. The Raiders can take advantage of this new rule. The last two weeks of the season, they can start interviewing candidates. I'm just saying, like, obviously, you look at this week. I mean, the people, you know, John Gruden did one good thing. He crushed the virus. So the Raiders have not had a problem with COVID this year. They crushed the virus. So they're one of the best teams in the league this year as far as not being affected by it. Huge edge this weekend. You set, you set, you're setting yeah, them up, you're setting them up to, to be crushed. A big, big week advantage here because of COVID this weekend. So now they win 7-7, seven, seven, start believing again. Who knows? So I'm not going to get into coaching list until they're definitely done. They're, they're like the shots, they're pretty much done. But they're back in the oven. You never know. Who knows? But uh, So I'm not going to talk about Jim Harbaugh or Dabo Sweeney or, uh, or Shaw or... Uh, who else am I talking about? Uh, Wink Martindale. Is that his name? Wink? Is it Wink Martindale? Don Wink Martindale. Yeah, you get Don Martindale goes by Wink. That's the game show host, right? Same name, the game show host. Then. Yeah, yeah. He it's it's that's where that's where the nickname comes. That's from. awesome. All right, so yeah, Wink Martindale's in the mix. He can have like a side gig at a Vegas casino, hosting some game shows on the the off season. It'd be great. Here's your hot name to watch. You guys like a lot of pub, but Wink Martindale. Okay, question from Glenn C. Will the fifth-year options be picked up for Josh Jacobs, Cleveland Furl, and Jonathan Abram? I'm skeptical given the lack of production by Furl, the lack of coverage ability for Abram, and the lack of availability by Jacobs. I mean, I've said this for a while. I'm declining all three. 
the problem with Josh is like, and I had forgotten this thing, but you know, you make the Pro Bowl one year, it goes way up. So now the uh, the price to keep him, the option is now ten point one million dollars. They got to give him for that next, extra year. That's a lot for Josh Jacobs. And he's a good player. Obviously, not for like been the dynamic guy he's supposed to be. He's had injury problems and really hasn't had a, you know, a big year since his first year. But uh, ten point one million dollars for a running back who you're not really who totally can't hit sure home runs. Can, he does not hit yeah, home runs. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. So I, I I agree with you. At this point, they're probably passing all three, which would definitely be a very damning you know thing from that that draft class. Do you see them passing on Jacobs though? Because he he has flashed, and it, you know he is a talented back. And like, do you see the the Raiders making that kind of move where they they pass on on talent because you know of efficiency and you know making a right money move? They gave Kenyon Drake. You know, uh, for however much they gave him, I don't remember right now. Yeah, I think if you'll pay a, a back a running back eight million in a salary condensed uh, season with or salary cap condensed season with the COVID, I mean, if the salary cap does bounce back like they expected to, tend in what would that be twenty twenty three, isn't what it is right now. Um, and I mean, like the offensive line sucks. So, I mean, like him staying healthy, I feel like is the bigger issue than like his stats right now, because it's like whoever you put back there outside of like, you know, one of the top two backs in the league is probably going to be struggling this year. I think they consider that one. I think the other two are for sure, obviously, declined. But I don't think Jacobs is like an immediate, ah, fuck him, like we're we're done. I didn't say fuck him, but I'm just saying 10.1, if you're not sure the guy's going to be healthy, I'm going to give him $10 million. And you have to guarantee it this offseason before he plays next season. So it's like you're guaranteeing it for... A season beyond that, I think you got to decline it, play out his fourth season, and you know if you if you want to come to terms on an on an extension, then cool. If not, I mean, if Gruden and Mack were still here next year, it'd be a no brainer. They'd say, yeah, he's you know love him, and they show us tape of him in Alabama and how great he is. And but uh, I can't imagine a new GM or new coach would come in and look at the doc and say, I'm supposed to pay eighteen million dollars to Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Nah, I'm not doing well, Drake that. will be off the books. Drake will be off the books by then. But you're right. But you're looking at the two-year picture. But eight years for Kenny Jake this year, $10 million on the books next year for Josh Jacobs. So, I don't know. I just think that's a lot. I mean, well, I understand that um, he'll be mad about that. I'm sure he could have a you know, big finish somewhere else. We go somewhere else. But I don't think it's very pragmatic to give him $10 million based on what we've seen the last three years. Um, I like Josh Jacobs a lot. A, I think he's a really good player. I think his upside's still there. But... This year alone, look at their best game this year from running back was from Peyton Barber. So, I don't know. I think it's a lot of money. Side question. If they decline his fifth-year option, he goes into next season, final year of his contract. Does he report? Does he want to trade? Does he even play for the Raiders in his fourth season? Or does he say, hey, you're not keeping me around. Trade me. I think he will be upset, and obviously I think those are all options, but I would think the lack of a good year this year, his numbers this year are not going to be good. So I think he would need to have something to kind of get him back into that upper echelon of running backs to prove to other teams, hey, I want this guy. This guy is an exciting player still. Look what he did. So I think just based on his numbers this year, I think he have to play next year to kind of prove to other teams he's worth a big financial hit. All right, guys, it is prediction time. The Raiders against the COVID-ravaged Browns, Saturday, 1.30 Pacific. Who's taking the Raiders? Anybody? One-point favorites. When they crush the virus, dude, you got to take the Raiders. I mean, they're, this is a huge, a huge edge here. This is everything they, they worked for last year. Trent Brown uh, almost died for this. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> uh, uh, I'm taking the Raiders 2019. I'm going to stop. I, 
my brain's not working today. I can't talk. I got weird thoughts popping up. 2019 Raiders, they're still, they're still alive. And uh, all the coaching stuff is put in the back burner for another week. <laughs> I'm leaning into the, the full funky weather. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be nasty. 16-10 Browns. Running game for the Browns is alive. Running game for the Raiders is not. 16-10 Browns. So Josh Jacobs hears his podcast, gets fired up, and has a huge game. That's, I might attack on the three points of my prediction. 23-19 Raiders. Yeah, I think I'm going 20-17 Browns. I think it'll be relatively low scoring. I just, I just think it's going to come down to who runs the ball better. And, I mean, I really have no reason to believe that the Raiders are suddenly going to be able to pound the rock, even with the Browns' absences. And, I mean, obviously the Browns have Nick Chubb, one of the better rushing schemes in the league. So, And the, the, the cold weather conditions, the, the, the weather being a potential factor. Yeah, I'm going to have to stick with the Browns there. Sorry, guys. Yeah, the, the weather becomes a factor. I just I don't see the Raiders playing too well. And they still have two premier edge rushers. Miles Garrett, obviously, is you know, a guy that isn't running for a defensive player of the year. He's going to be rushing against Brandon Parker. And Davion Clowney is much better as a number two rusher. The Browns still are able to do a couple things that the, the Raiders really struggle with. They, they can run the ball and they can rush the passer. I think the the Browns probably win this one 20 to 14. So you guys all want to give Josh Jacobs $10 million. No one's picking him to win this game. Running game, weather, ravage, ravage Browns defense. I said get rid of him. You need yeah, blocking. He, he had the quarter of the year. He, said, he looked at the film. He's like, what the fuck you want me to do? I mean, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. I ain't got nowhere to run. <laughs> I got trust. That's what I always say. I got trust. Yeah, trust when I'm getting hit two years. <laughs> you can't have blind trust. Actually, you do. For, this, for the Raiders, you actually do need blind trust, both players and fans. I trust that I'm going to go run into a wall. All right, well, that'll wrap up this week's edition of State of the Nation. We'll be back. We're going to record on Sunday morning after the Raiders' Saturday uh, afternoon game. So post-game podcast will be out on Sunday after the Raiders take on the Cleveland Browns in, in cold, maybe wet, maybe windy, maybe snowy. We're going to let Tashawn pick the weather that, that he gets there when he heads back to Cleveland, uh, but should be exciting for him. Yeah, fun, man. Yeah, I can't wait. can't wait for this flight. It's fun. Amazing. Cleveland. Love Cleveland. Follow Tashawn on Instagram to see his uh, <laughs> Cleveland adventures. Tacos and hotels. There you go. There you go. Adios. Later. This will be your first time playing for the Browns with Nick Chubb behind you, so that's got to make you feel a lot better, huh? Having a full Chubb back there is going to be uh, going to be really good.